0: hello and welcome to the doula tribe podcast i'm tess and i'm from the nurture doula tribe i'm a postpartum doula a mother and i'm irish we will be focusing on mothers families birth parenting and the postpartum period i'll be diving into lots of topics around raising children I want to speak to inspiring people and I want you to learn something. So make sure you tune in. Find me on Instagram and subscribe to this podcast. See you soon. Grace is a mother of three children, aged nine, six, and three. She grew up on a property near Shepparton in Bunbartha, but moved away to Melbourne to train as a paediatric intensive care nurse and worked at RCH, which is Royal Children's Hospital in Melbourne, in that field for over 15 years, and she continues to do so today. She now lives back on the property on a small farm outside Heathcote, Heathcote and although continues to work at the hospital she spent most of her time teaching in the community space trying to prevent children from ending up in the ICU. Welcome Grace thank you for
1: being here today. Thank you so much for having me Tess it's really exciting to be part of this podcast. No worries we've been trying to connect for a long time now. Yes like (laughs) trying to find a time to match up it's been yeah it's been a while but Yeah, yeah well we're busy mothers. And working mothers at that. So, That's right. yep.
0: so, can you tell me a little bit about your family values at the moment or anything in your life that you think is interesting?
1: Yeah, well, we were chatting about this just before because, as just before the podcast started, my husband came in and crawled along the floor because he's trying (laughs) to avoid being in the the background, not realizing that we're not doing video. And I was just explaining that we have a little bit of a different dynamic in my family where both my husband and I take on like a 50 50 role in terms of, you know, working and also parenting. Yeah. Uh, So, yeah. And this is, I suppose, it's a bit of a different approach, but I think. We're seeing it more and more these days where, you know, we both spend an equal amount of time in the home with our children and out at work. So, um, and this was something that I thought was really important to me when I had my first child, which was almost nine years ago now. What? I know. <laughs> I just sort of thought, you know, rather than both of us going back to work full time, what about us both being involved and, you know, her having an opportunity to have a really great relationship with both her mother and her father in those formative years. And, you know, we, I suppose, we're lucky that we both being nurses and working shift work could structure mm. our life in that way. And it has just continued to evolve. And we've kept that that dynamic, like as work and roles and children have changed to still be both equally involved in parenting and in in working and breadwinning, I suppose. Yeah, Yeah. that's amazing. (laughs) I would love that. (laughs)
0: It's so beautiful that you have that with your husband and your children. And I think you mentioned before that you homeschool your children as well. How did you end up in doing that?
1: Yeah, look, I mean, that wasn't probably, it wasn't planned before I had children. But look, we actually, I don't know, we decided because we were both at home equal amount of times, we didn't need to use childcare. And so, which was probably saving us a little bit of money as well. And so I think it just naturally evolved to just really wanting to spend those formative years with our children and give them an opportunity to explore their interests and be very child-led in their learning and the exploration of the world. And that's been really great, particularly with my eldest, because obviously, you know, she's a little bit older. Yeah. We've really seen her. Be very confident in what she loves and the directions that that she wants to spend her time. She has volunteered to go back, to school this year. So she does three days a week and we homeschool her for two days. But it's purely been her choice to do that. And we're very supportive of that child-led, you know, approach. I didn't Um, know you could do that. It depends on the school. Yeah. So you have to have a principal who's open to it. I suppose living in a small country town, we're a bit more...
0: Flexible.
1: Um, likely, maybe flexible. Yes,
0: oh my god, um, but no, I'm it's like, been really
1: good. Gonna ask my school, <laughs> <do> yeah, <laughs> you should. No, it's, it's actually been really good because then you know, she's still got a couple of days in the week where she because she's very artistic. Yeah, look, I feel like it's a, a really, I don't know, it's a really beautiful start to the learning experience because they're passionate about learning and it's also like a really gentle entry into you know, I don't know, that school life as well. Not all schools. Across the world, kids don't all start at five. So you know, I think it can it's an individual approach for mm. every child when they're ready. Yeah, yeah. And it's very uh,
0: authoritarian. Uh, the school, you know, they're telling them what to do all day.
1: <laughs> mm. So a yeah, lot. Yeah, it's of th- very
0: different, <laughs> and and a lot of children don't like that. You know, they mm. don't like being told what to do all day, and then they come home and they have these huge feelings. It's not very fun for us, is it? <laughs>
1: Yeah, well, that's it, you know, and I think the, I think the challenge just is that, you know, the way that it's set up is that you've got a whole lot of different people, like children, yeah. people, together with the same approach. And you're not going to have that same approach that's going to fit all of those children, are you? So, yeah. and I can understand why it has to be structured that way, because, you know, you've got it's a lot of kids there. Stuff. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, there's certain things that develop like with maturity and time, you know, and and having the kids home with me, like I really can give them that one-on-one attention and, you know, they can move through the day in a way that feels good to them. And, you know, so it's sort of like with us, you know, we get up in the morning and we might feel like taking on a particular task and we can structure our day that way where our energy feels good and we can do the same thing for our children when we homeschool them Mm. like that as well but look you know it's not for the faint-hearted and I understand it's not for everybody you know but um, it's definitely but it's been good for us yeah
0: and it wasn't just true COVID that you turned this way it was before COVID Mm.
1: wow yeah that's right so but we were we would have done our first year of homeschooling was 2020. So we sort of, I suppose, were lucky in a way because we were prepared for homeschooling. Yeah. Whereas the majority of people weren't and mm. just sort of were forced into it. And and the way that we homeschool looks very different to what remote schooling is. Like, yeah. It's not very much not the same. on a laptop.
0: Mm. Yeah. Yeah. It's very different. <laughs> yeah. Very interesting. I love that. I'm going to look into it more, I think. you've inspired me we can talk more later about it yeah (laughs) okay let's do that so I know that you're very passionate about a few things at work and a charity that you run called the sisterhood project can you give me a little bit of a description about how that looks with peds and the sisterhood project please
1: yeah I would love to So, yeah, when we sort of turn, when I turn my attention from working within the healthcare space to working out into the community, I developed PEDS with Sarah, who's the co-founder, and we're really about trying to take that knowledge and skill that we learnt and take it to rural areas or take it to places that don't see children very often because we want to be more proactive about, you know, reducing children needing to go to hospital or needing to end up in ICU with us so what are the type of skills and education that we can teach to parents or carers or people who look after children to ensure that we're preventing illnesses or injuries or acting upon them in a way that prevents them from deteriorating and what I learned very early on you know when we're particularly when we're teaching those first aid courses was that the demographics of people of children that are dying in higher proportions. So when we look at the statistics from the Australian Bureau of Statistics, we can see that kids in rural and remote areas or kids from lower socio-demographic backgrounds or kids from Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander backgrounds all die at high proportions from preventable accidents and injuries. And those are not the cohorts of people that can come to a paid course. So it took a little bit of getting my head around, but eventually what I realised is that we need to probably start a charity to address this, yep. because this was bigger than what we could do within our business piece. And it probably with other providers across the state, potentially across Australia, to be able to actually make a difference in that space. So, yeah, there's a couple of different Projects there. There's obviously the business where we do the providing, and then hopefully there's this charity. We've just become registered as a charity. Yeah. We will we'll actually be able to coordinate all providers to maybe make a difference in these statistics, which I'm really excited about. I like the idea of actually, you know, getting everybody working together for a common goal. And I'm sure, and we've already had a few people, a few other providers, reach out and say that they're on board and really excited. As soon as we get some funding to help us, you know, start to make this vision a reality. Yeah. Wow that is
0: amazing I'm very excited to see what happens there as well mm. I'll be following yeah. that one very, very good <laughs> well done that is so inspiring so because my podcast Doula Tribe is about birth and supports I know that you have three beautiful children do you want to talk about all of the births or just one yeah. or- well
1: I mean they're all very different births okay. I mean Yeah I mean I think that's the interesting thing like every single like all the pregnancies were pretty much the same but all the births were very different and interestingly I feel like their births were quite a reflection on my kids personalities. I don't know if you've ever heard other people say that before but you know my first child her birth was like textbook you know in terms of You know, the time between contractions, the amount of time I spent, you know, in all the phases, just the delivery, like everything like that just went so textbook and so predictable. And that is exactly like how she is as a personality. (laughs) I love that. (laughs) And then my second one was like not textbook. It was just like there was nothing predictable about it all. Like the contractions were coming from here, there, they were hitting me. I just could not like get myself together. It was like, you know crazy and that is like exactly how my second (laughs) child is as well (laughs) I love it and then yeah with my third like she definitely wasn't textbook but it was like a very gentle birth like it just was almost like she was caring for me like you know the contractions were just Really gentle contractions, and like the delivery was just so seamless. And then she came out, and she was just so chilled. And again, like that's exactly who she is as a personality. So yeah, it's it's interesting. I could definitely see these little aspects of them within like my labor experience. So I don't know if anyone's ever said that to you. Is that a new thing? Because I've had other people tell me that they have had the same reflection.
0: (laughs) Yeah, like I've heard bits and pieces where people refer back to their birth as you know something impacting their child now but not like the way you've described it I love it okay yeah it's really good all right there you go I can Mm. see what I can see what you mean when I think about my own children okay yeah yeah it's funny Mm. so was any of your births like in at home and were they in hospital how did they look yeah so I had
1: all three of my births in the hospital. I have a medical condition, so I have to go to hospital to deliver. Yeah. But they all were good in the sense that like I felt very in control of what was happening. I felt very empowered. I think having my healthcare background like definitely helps, you know, yeah. in terms of you know being able to advocate for myself and know what I wanted that yeah. birth experience to look like. So, look, I mean, I know that a lot of people do have negative experiences like birthing within the hospital. Mm -hmm. You know, there is a lot of medical trauma, you know, and different things that happen. But I do think it is possible to have a positive birthing experience within the hospital as well. I do think it helps to be informed, you know, around like what you want and what your rights are. And to either, you know, if you know that yourself, you're not a good advocate for yourself to have somebody else, you know, within your support team mm. who knows what you want to be able to help advocate for you, you know, because there's moments in birth where, you know, when you feel very strong and there's moments where you're not feeling as strong. So I think it's definitely important to have, you know, cause there was moments in time where my husband was like, remember, this is what you, you spoke about wanting. And so it was really good to have him, you know, on board with what I wanted as well for those moments where I sort of was maybe not as good at advocating for myself, yeah. Um, but yeah, um, but then we they do were all positive births awesome because we do talk
0: about masculine energy and feminine energy. And when you're thinking, when you're in labor, you're in the masculine energy. So, so they say try not to go into like the thinking brain at all mm-hmm. and to stay in that feminine. Like brain I suppose because that's where you're present and in tune with your body and but it's very hard in a hospital at times because people are talking to
1: you for mm. consent and you're like yeah. go away <laughs> yeah no absolutely you know and one of the things I felt hard like found hard I think is also because like I work in a hospital yeah Like I would like smell the medical smell and I would like it would make me physically ill because I'm like, oh, like I don't want to feel like I'm at work right now. Like, you know, like that would always be like something I really struggled with. And that confronted me with my first birth. I was more prepared for that, obviously, with my subsequent ones, because I knew that was something that really bothered me the first time around. Yeah. And look, you know what? Like I really I think the other thing is really surrendered to the process of birth. Like once I sort of was in that, like I definitely was like in that zone. Yeah and did you use
0: and I suppose any, yeah it like, just comes
1: back did you use any techniques like
0: hypnobirthing or cam birth mm. or did you have like
1: water anything like yes.
0: that?
1: yes hypnobirthing so I did that prior to each of my births I also did affirmation cards in the lead up through all through throughout my pregnancy you know if those positive affirmations around you know labor and the birth and pregnancy and different things like that which I think really helped with you know those positive mindsets as well Mm. really wanted to have a water birth like every time I went and I was like is the bath available and the last time I managed to get the bath but they couldn't find the plug so oh my god I (laughs) know I was like oh not meant to be I mean shower I did definitely use showers in terms of water but I could I'd always wanted to yeah birth into the water like I just think that that's just magical but yeah unfortunately couldn't make it happen (laughs) for my three births but yeah look I think you know one of the good things that I did have though is a good knowledge of like what positions I wanted to be in and the, the team really good at supporting that like whatever I felt comfortable you know one of the one of the births I birthed You've just stalled there the now. bed. Like, you're just going to have on, to repeat like, oh, that
0: sentence. Sorry, you stalled. But your Wi-Fi is a little bit No, on, it's okay. So just re- repeat back from one of your positions or something
1: you said. Okay. So one of the positions that I actually birthed on was my back because I felt comfortable doing that okay. the other the other time I was up on the bed you know and yeah. you know sort of the squatting oh. position and then the other time I was in that position on the floor oh, and each rich. time yeah each time yeah there was no issues with however like I wanted to be and yeah they were really good at supporting me to birth in a position that I felt comfortable in as well so I think that was really good also
0: yeah that's great it's very important that they allow you to do what you want <laughs> labor Mm. (laughs) isn't it really like you know because we We just know and we do we do know kind of what we need like Mm. we don't really need to be told so it's Mm -hmm. it is helpful for them to to support that cool what about like how was that for you were you living down in Heathcote for that no I was over in Becker's
1: Marsh okay
0: hold on a second you're fine
1: I'll
0: just pause. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So how was your postpartum?
1: When I was yeah. So, yeah, look, I think I had tried to do as much preparation as possible, like for birth, particularly with my firstborn. I probably hadn't prepared for postpartum in the same way that I prepared for birth. It's a little bit forgotten, doesn't it? Like, postpartum. Yeah, Mm. yes. And it's so important. Like, it's just such an important process of it all. And you know what? I think part of the thing that really let me down is, you know, a lot of people were like, oh, you're going to be such a good mother. You've got this, you know. And I think those are really great things, obviously great votes of confidence, but I think it actually, for me, made it me less likely to reach out and ask for help because I was like, oh, everyone said that I have this, I've got to have it. So when like I started to struggle, like I sort of continued to put on a an appearance yes, yes. as if, yeah, I wasn't struggling because, you know, I was like, well, that's actually how I need to continue on. <laughs> yeah, so look, I think that, that sort of face that you have to put on to be brave it's not helpful for a lot of us and i think probably what i've learned through my subsequent pregnancies is how to ask for help to yeah. make you know that postpartum a lot better for me and my family unit but the i think it also was made a little bit more challenging by the fact that i experienced like a postpartum not depression it's more of a sort of anxiety oh. and you know, it's not spoken about very much. I think postpartum depression is on our radar, but postpartum anxiety is actually, it's almost like an OCD where you can have intrusive thoughts and often they're around things like dropping your baby and then being hurt through that. And I think it's not spoken about because, you know, we worry that if we talk about it, people will think that we want to hurt our babies, which is not, the case at all it's very much sort of part of that postpartum depression and anxiety thing that can happen and so often you can yeah you can sort of have these intrusive thoughts and for me there was either around accidentally dropping the babies or them having a medical condition or something like that so it was sort of tied in I suppose with my background and knowledge as well I'd get really worried that they were going to get sick or they were going to have like some sort of rare undiagnosed disorder that I wasn't picking up on (laughs) So, and it sounds so funny now that I talk about it, but, you know, it really, really, you know, like it stopped me from going out of the house sometimes. and Oh, wow. And it did, yeah, like it really did interfere with my daily life. And I don't think I quite realised the extent that it was interfering until I experienced it again in my second pregnancy. Like, so it was there in my first and I managed it, but mm. then in my second it sort of came out again, but worse. So mm. I really had to go and talk to someone and say, this is some stuff that's really bothering me. How do I manage this? You know, it's, I'm not leaving the house. Um, I've got all these concerns. Mm. Where do you go for help around that? Yeah, look, I think your GP is a good place to start or the maternal and child health nurse is also another great place to talk about these thoughts that you're having. So... <laughs> Yeah, so definitely I would start with a maternal and child health nurse or with your GP. Yeah. So just, you know, if you're having those those thoughts of, you know, accidentally dropping your baby or it can be anything like that where they're sort of repetitive and they're reoccurring and they're really starting to bother you and they're changing what you would do, like they're changing you going out of the house or, you know, being able to perform certain activities So am I picking this up right? So you're like super afraid that you're going to drop the
0: baby. Like, so you're like extra careful around the baby. Is that what you're saying?
1: Yeah. Or maybe you don't pick them up at all. Like maybe you're only asking your partner to pick them up or you won't carry them anywhere. you'll ask your partner to take them down the stairs because you're worried that you will drop them when you go down the stairs or yeah yeah it can like it a can rational be quite, kind of talk sorry. yeah it's not yeah. rational at all and yeah. like you know I'm a very rational person and quite well educated you know so I I can't ra- and I couldn't like rationalize my way out of it like it just was yeah. you know so intrusive and I suppose that's the thing about it like it is an intrusive sort of thought and it can be really you know, it can have other flow on effects too. Like, you know, I wasn't eating, you know, cause I was so worried and, you know, I wasn't mm. sleeping cause I was so worried. So yeah, yeah, it's definitely something I would encourage if other people have those sort of thoughts come up for them, mm. you know, in that postpartum period to go and get some help and to talk about it as well. I think even just talking about it and acknowledging it can be really important cause then everyone else knows what's going on and they can support you a lot better and for me that's actually all I needed to do like I just needed to bring everybody else into what was going on in my head and then I could say hey I'm having these thoughts again we could talk it out and you know I felt a lot better about a lot of things I got a bit more support as well so you know having just that support at home made a big difference as well so you know just those little things can make a real big difference yeah yeah
0: thank you for talking about that because it, it is a hard one and a lot of people are not you know honest when with themselves are open about these things so when yeah we t- yeah yep. and when we talk about it openly like it might someone listening might actually realize that they need that help as well so thank you for that
1: no that's okay I mean that's exactly what happened to me like essentially you know like I didn't feel that I could talk about it initially so yeah, yeah definitely I know
0: because we are if... conditioned to think like that too you know like there's a lot of martyr in us a little bit mm. like I was brought up like that I was like I can do mm. all this and everyone says I'm doing amazing and I am amazing and then mm-hmm. realistically in my head I'm not
1: <laughs> no but that's the thing like and I think like I it's I've actually was even talking about this the other day about the word resilience as well. You know, when we use these certain words to say other people are these things, it almost like pigeonholes you to not be able to break, to not be able to, you know, not be okay. And I think we do have to be really careful about the way that we complement each other, you know, that we're not actually limiting people to only be, you know, that most excellent, high-functioning, having it all together person, you know, we've got to allow some space for them to also be falling apart sometimes and be a complete mess and, you know, I'm always, I like to be very open about the (laughs) fact that, yeah, I do a lot of things but I am also sometimes a complete mess too. So, you know, like, (laughs) you you know, (laughs) (laughs) exactly, yeah, and sometimes we've got it all, we've got our shit together and it's all going great and sometimes it's not. We're on the floor wondering how we're going to, you know, make it through the day so <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah I love that you know because that is that's the reality
0: of motherhood and mm-hmm. being a human like we have mm-hmm. forgotten exactly there were not all these amazing really high functioning good girls like society yeah pops us up yeah today. good girls
1: mm. yes
0: <laughs> a dangerous
1: dangerous statement
0: <laughs> and look it's not our parents fault that they were you know raising us that way to be good girls it was just the way of the time wasn't it Mm -hmm. but the impact that's having on us now and like you know the I'm trying to change the way I parent now as well because trying not to like all the time say oh you're a good boy because I have boys Mm. because that gives him a complex then as well that he has to be good all the time yeah yeah it's very interesting like to look at it from that perspective and try and change mm. all of it isn't it mm-hmm.
1: yes it is it's very complex
0: very complex <laughs> mm. um, so I'm really interested to talk to you about your business Pete, because I would love to give listeners a little insight into what you think are the main or what you teach like in in first aid or um the main topics that you teach in the
1: community. Yeah. Okay. Great. Well, the main focus that we sort of approach with the first aid is having a look at what are the main reasons that kids end up in hospital. Mm. So it's a lot around prevention of those through just an awareness, I suppose. So you don't know if you don't, if it's not on your radar, then you're not probably taking appropriate precautions to prevent Mm. the risk. So for example, let's think of poisoning. Yeah. Very, it's a high leading cause of injury and death in children Mm. all the way up to four so we might sort of have that on our radar in our own home but you know kids will get into the toilet cleaner they'll get into medication you know even even pesticides and you know gardening poisons so perhaps we've already had to think about where you want to put those within your home, keeping them out of reach. But it can be when we go to other people's homes, like particularly grandparents' houses or, you know, going and staying at an Airbnb, those items may not be placed in a different spot. So kids can often come in contact with them again there. And you would think that, you know, having a swig of the duck toilet cleaner would be enough and your kid would be like, ugh, I'm not going to drink anymore." But it's not like they will consume, their bodies are small, so the smaller amount that they consume can have a bigger effect on them and it's same with medications. They might take, you know, your parents' heart medication and just a few tablets can be, you know, very dangerous for their little bodies. So that's the type of stuff that we talk about in the course, like, you know, also looking at, you know, motor vehicle accidents, which are another leading cause, like how to reduce the risk of, you know, them being hurt in a motor vehicle accident. Other things that we talk about are head injuries, you know, how to perform CPR, what to do if your child chokes, you Mm. know, like it's it's like it's a lot of stuff. Like it's a lot of stuff to think about and talk about. And you probably, you know, we'll go into that having a couple of things that you want to learn and taking a couple of things out. It's a lot of information to consume. But again, it just puts it on your radar so that you're, you know, you are thinking about ways that you can, you know, maybe make your life a bit safer, your home a bit safer to reduce the risk of these things happening. And look, you know, I've got three kids, I live on a farm, they do get injured, like I'm not a saint, they're, you know, and I don't wrap them in cotton wool either, like they're not running around in all balls, you know, so that they don't get injured, but... It's going to happen Kids will get injured. It's just really about, you know, making sure it's not a serious injury that ends them up in hospital or, you know, yeah. ends them up in the intensive care unit. You know, it's really trying to mitigate those risks. Yeah. Well, I'm only thinking about my 18-month-old last night. We were at his
0: my partner's nan's and there was all medication on the table. And, like, you think they're child safe? They're not. Like, he got down a whole pack and just opened it. Because he practices mm-hmm. with the water bottles. He can unscrew water bottles now. And he just unscrewed yeah. this medication bottle and we cut him in time. It was all good. But we were like, yeah. oh, my God, you know, like, yeah. what the hell? It's so exactly scary how easy it happens.
1: Yeah, and that's the thing. I think, you know, it's a classic misconception that yeah. these medication bottles are actually okay to have within reach of children They're because not. they've got that child safe. But they are, I reckon they're better at opening them than I am. Like sometimes yeah. I can't get them open and they can. So, you know, I think, you know, just having all medication up high yeah. is the best way to do it. And, you know, even my mum's a nurse and when I go to her house, I'll always be like walking along going, yep, this Panadol's going up here. Like so if they don't have kids at home all the time, it's just not on their radar as well. And I think that makes sense, you know, they're not, yeah. you know, walking around and that's just a, so constant hyper alert sort of parenting <laughs> mode. <laughs> Uh, but yeah it's just having it on your radar and see so now you'll probably have that on your radar right and you'll be like mm. yep that's not going to be anywhere near anyone yeah um, but it wasn't
0: before because he mm. have been there a hundred times and never gone to that table before like yeah, you know exactly but now he yeah. can yes but it's, and he'll probably still go back there constantly now so <laughs> you mm-hmm. know once they realize but like also I know someone who's three year old or something drank those you know, those, they're like diffusers where you have them in the toilet and they have liquid and then they have sticks mm-hmm. mm, thang, yes thang that and like I know not good not no. good at all in hospital no like I don't have any of those because I'm really like low tox I hate all those like I don't mm-hmm. I'm have the same those it's in all my vinegar house. and
1: bicarb here yeah
0: like you can't even find a diffuser in my house But, like, a lot of people do have those, and I'm like, oh my god, I need to tell everyone about this. Like, (laughs) move those because my child, like, you know, always will get up on the toilet and see what's on the shelf
1: above the toilet, like, he just does that. Mm
0: -hmm. They're so agile.
1: Mm. they do they like to climb they like to explore they like to put things in their mouth so it's just that perfect storm Mm. for poisonings to take place yeah and look if you don't know what to do like if you're not quite sure if your child's taken something and you're you're, it's not obvious that they're unwell um like and so signs of being unwell is like they might have vomited or they could have a seizure those are or they could be unconscious. So Mm -hmm. obviously those are very clear signs that you need to seek help. If you're not quite sure though, you can ring the Poison's info line, which is a a free service. Mm. Yeah, I can't remember it off the top of my head, but I'm happy to give it to you to put in the show notes or something if you like. Yeah. But I have had to ring them multiple times for my own kids as well. Like, you know, it's a really good resource and we actually use that as well in healthcare. So if a kid comes in and they've ingested something, we will ring them up as well and say, what do we need to do? You know, Mm -hmm. what do we need to think about? yeah yeah that's we, what you say oh yeah that's probably too much or not enough or yeah just watch them or yeah yeah so they're a really no,
0: great resource they are they are amazing actually they're one of the most important resources I find and like even if you ring kind of nurse on call they will, will often direct you to the points on the line if you're if it's mm. related to that but yeah it's interesting okay cool so how do people connect with you at the moment? Because I love your Instagram so much. I fi- I learned so much. Oh, yes. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and I must give kudos to Sarah. She is the Instagram queen. She is really yes. great. Um, so I just good. pop my head on there every now and then. <laughs> She's definitely, she gets all the credit for that. So yes, we are on Instagram. We're Peds First Aid. So yeah, if you want any sort of free stuff we always are really happy to share all of the tips because we just want to keep kids safe at the end of the day if you want to attend a course with us we run private in-house courses so you can grab a bunch of your friends you know your mother's group parents your grandparents we just need a group of you together we can come to your home we can teach you the baby and child first aid course what's the minimum Um, grace for that the minimum okay so seven yeah seven Seven. people thank Thank you. you And then we also have public courses too, which are available on our website. So pedseducation.com. And yeah, we run them around the state in Victoria. So I run them in like Shepparton and Bendigo and Clinton area. And then Sarah runs them over in Ballarat. And then we've also just got somebody who's starting to do them in Geelong and Torquay as well. So oh. yeah, going to slowly take over the world. As you plan. own it. Take that over. I love it. Uh, regional <laughs> Victoria, anyway we? <laughs> That's it. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Now we care about the country. Yeah. 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 So yeah, there's lots of different ways. And I've got a course in Shepparton and may so yeah if anyone wants to come along to that
0: i might put a link to, to that page. thanks for so that good. <laughs> awesome well it was so nice to talk to you today and i really appreciate your honesty and yeah i really hope people have learned from you i'm sure they have oh, thank you
1: thanks for having me on no yeah, worries um, yeah i've enjoyed having a chat
0: yeah we'll, we'll definitely talk more anyway okay <laughs> thank you Well, what an episode with Grace today. I'm so happy that we got to chat eventually. It was a very inspiring chat all about homeschooling. So I'm really excited about that. And I think that that's really the way the world is going now, that we're really seeing how much children need our support and our love at home instead of sending them off, um, you know, to an institution to educate them so that's really interesting and also I really like the part where we chatted honestly about postpartum anxiety because postnatal depression comes up a lot but not those other words and how it manifested in Grace's life is very interesting so I hope that everyone you know really listens in and if you are triggered at all by that or you can resonate with it please reach out for some help i can point you in the right direction or there's a great website um panda and a few others that you know would be on blue and stuff like that so you know you don't have to do this alone and yeah i just want to say thank you again to grace and sarah for starting their amazing business and also their charity wow like so inspired so make sure you subscribe to this podcast and look out for the next episode. We, um, we have some exciting things lined up for this year. Thank you for listening.